Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Hey, good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to need all the hope we can get. We do have it because the Bible says in Hebrews, I believe, 619, this hope we have in Christ is an anchor to our souls. So what's happening around us is not surprising. The trials of life, they're not shocking in this imperfect world where sin and death reign, but where Christ is king and he will be our, he is our soon returning savior. And he promised to return our blessed hope and our faith and hope and trust is in him alone. And he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. I say all that because we've got a lot of headlines and stories to talk about today as we go around the world. And I even heard from a friend from Australia this morning um, about how they're starting to frame uh, Christians in this radical category. If you're Christian, you're either a, a conspiracy theorist or if you believe in certain portions of the Bible and Bible prophecy, they're starting to frame people as extremists just based on their beliefs. And so they have no basis for this, but they're going to do it. So I just want to mention some of the headlines we're going to get to. And I also have been contacted by a few people from different countries. I'm going to mention that and where people are listening in a minute. Um, good news, we'll talk about this in a minute. A British Christian has been acquitted of charges for silently praying outside abortion clinics. This actually happened where a woman was arrested on December 6th. And it was actually astounding. She was quite, it was on video. She was standing on a public sidewalk praying and they came up to her. What are you doing? And she says, I'm praying. <laughs> they arrested her. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that. She was acquitted. That's the good news. But in America, a Christian teacher. Now this, there's so many stories like this. When I mentioned this, you've got to check out this podcast or this show that we do called Educated over at Freedom Project Media. It's freedomproject.com or you can go to stayeducated.org. We do four shows a week and we, these are, these are happening all across the country in public schools, in the university system. These are not rare occurrences, but here's another one where a Christian teacher is fired for refusing to hide kids' gender transitions and their preferred pronouns from parents. You heard that right. Another Christian teacher teacher fired for refusing to hide kids' gender transition or preferred pronouns from parents. We'll get into that story as well in just a minute. Um, one I, article I wrote, the new one, uh, this young man, Jacob Kersey, a former police officer in Georgia, he refused to bow down and be silent. Now he's out of a job. And we'll talk about that. He just simply posted about marriage between one man and one woman on his social media. Now, another one, Senator Rick Scott is hitting a Biden over the soaring price of 
goods, groceries, other things, and it doesn't seem like there's any accountability from the media or from anyone who would typically hold an administration accountable if there were a Republican uh, in office uh, in president. They will definitely mention all the bad news economically, but not when there's a Democrat in office necessarily, and we're seeing the double standards. Next, the CDC has offered a dire warning for young girls and for youth, and this has to do with hopelessness among today's young people. We'll get into that as well. And like I said, we'll get to as much as we can. Um, a politicized FDA, Food and Drug Administration, uh, approved abortion drugs, and they are now being used just more. It's more common than you ever imagined. We'll talk about the details on that. Um, also, recently in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they held a two-day multi-faith coalition to fight back against white Christian nationalism. Where did they hold this? At churches in Milwaukee. In two days in a row. We'll talk about that. Um, Canada. They have passed what some are calling a Stalin-esque Internet censorship bill. We've got an update on that. We'll talk about it. Damar Hamlin refuses to answer a question about what doctors said caused his heart to stop. I'd rather not say, he said in an interview. So we'll talk about why. What's he hiding? What was he told? Is this a legal issue? Um, also, this is an interesting story over at Faith Wire. They're out for blood. Christian man wins big after mask dispute. And he delivers a warning. We'll talk about that. And um, Pfizer. Let's talk about Pfizer, perhaps, if we have time. Um, and I was just going to talk about my wife briefly. This was, if you're just tuning in and you hadn't been paying attention in the last week, you haven't been listening to some of the shows, we originally were going to have my wife come in and I was going to talk to her about what we've uh, been going through the last year and a half based on her cognitive impairment and limitations, her neurological issues. We're still trying to get to the bottom of things, and she's taking all kinds of supplements and doing certain treatments, and we've got oils, and we've got um, brain vitamins and all this other stuff. Um, it's just too mind-boggling. It's just, But there is a link you can check out. It's a private group. <laughs> I say private, and there's almost 700 people in it. But you have to request to join. It's called Rosanna's Journey. It is on Facebook. And I post recent updates about things that we go through that people have no idea when they see her, they look at her, she looks normal. And, and on certain days, especially at church on Sundays, uh, more often than not, she looks, you know, happy, joyful. Well, that's not the Monday through Friday, uh, condition of, of her state of mind at our home, in our home. So we just wanted to share some of the details, but we, I was counseled on this and, um, we decided not to have her come in today. So for different reasons I don't need to get into, but um, you can go to Facebook, Rosanna's Journey, and request to join. But I want to talk a little bit about Pfizer because she was given the Pfizer vaccine in August of 2021. And uh, since that time, uh, we have dealt with severe cognitive impairment almost immediate within weeks after her getting the shot. Some of you already know the story. But let me read this. Uh, just came out, Pfizer Documents Analysis. 
They were ordered by the courts last year to release 55,000 internal documents per month, some containing thousands of pages. So Pfizer and the FDA wanted these documents to be kept hidden from the public for 75 years, when most of us would be dead and gone, right? Over 3,000 highly skilled volunteers stepped up and offered to read through these difficult technical documents. And we're talking about uh, biostatisticians, uh, lab clinicians, uh, pathologists, anesthesiologists, sports med physicians, cardiologists, and registered nurses. So the ebook is extensive. I just looked at it this morning. I'm going, how many pages is this? Um, Pfizer documents analysis reports, 48 reports compiling the findings. So the document reveals, or the documents, plural, reveal that Pfizer knew from the beginning that their mRNA vaccine was neither effective nor safe, and they hid some of the data. Pfizer and the FDA apparently knew all along that the injection ingredients, including, now I'm going to try to get this right, lipid nanoparticles traveled throughout the body, accumulating in the liver, adrenals, spleen, ovaries, etc. We know now, looking back, and we're seeing massively high infertility rates in women, in the last year and a half, uh, we're seeing a lot of problems with miscarriages. We're seeing a lot of fer- fertility issues. Um, anyway, the documents show Pfizer and the FDA knew that the injections could damage the hearts of minors, and yet they waited for months to inform the public. The documents show Pfizer had to hire over 2,000 additional staffers to manage the flood of adverse events, reports. The documents show many neurological events, cardiac events, strokes, brain hemorrhages, blood clots, lung clots, and leg clots. The documents show harms to um, sperm count, harms to ovaries, menstrual cycles, placentas, and in some cases caused spontaneous abortion or miscarriage. Now, these this is proven now by studies and documentation. It's not just speculation, and it's no longer a conspiracy theory. I wish it were just a theory. Uh, it is understandable by why Pfizer and the FDA wanted these documents hidden. Um, so that, again, is on this massive release of 55,000 internal documents. Uh, this is called Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports. It is an e-book a friend uh, sent to me over the weekend, actually last week. So I, you, just, you can't read it all. It, you just can't. But anyway, I want to go back to some good news. And I want to shout out to our friends in Canada. More people from that area uh, up north are listening. Rebecca Wagner, thank you so much. She sent in a donation to Stand Up for the Truth. She's from Clive, Alberta. She says, hello, from beautiful Alberta, Kanukistan. <laughs> That's her words. Love your podcast. I never miss it. Um, do you know where Alberta is? Blessings to you. Yes, we have one or two guests on the podcast from Alberta. And uh, we've had, gosh, several. Carl Tykrib has been on the podcast for years. I don't remember. Um, I think he's from Alberta, but I know either James Coates or Tim Stevens, both pastors from Canada. We've had them on. One of them is from Alberta. One of them is not. But anyway, thank you so much. Um, and that led to us looking up how many different countries have listened to stand up for the truth, or are listening. They may be listening. And now, this is just in the last six months. 
the top 10 countries that listen to this podcast. This surprised me. Of course, the United States, the UK is second, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Germany, the Netherlands, uh, not New Mexico, but Mexico, Belgium, and Costa Rica. Interesting. The top 10 countries. So we are international. And that doesn't change what we do, but because we talk about everything, local news, regional news, national, international, globalism. We do everything looking through that biblical lens through Scripture. Now, the articles. Let's go to that. the other good news. Uh, the British Christian woman that was acquitted of charges when she was arrested in December for silently praying. Over at the Washington Times, two British Christians on trial for silently pl- praying. Did you uh, think about this headline and what our great-grandparents would think? What? Wait a minute. Christians on trial for silently praying? That, my friends, is the Antichrist spirit of the age and where we're at in societies today. So two British Christians on trial for silently praying near an abortion clinic were acquitted last Thursday of charges that they violated a public spaces protection order by a Birmingham, England magistrate's court. Isabel von Spruce was arrested December 6th by police, and the, vi- the video went viral. And the Reverend Sean Go, a Catholic priest at, at St. Peter and St. Paul Catholic Church in Wolverhampton, were both charged after their silent prayers <laughs> outside the British Pregnancy Advisory Service Clinic in the city's Kings Norton neighborhood. Um, no one should be criminalized for their thoughts or prayers. But that's just astounding that we even have to address this story, right? Um, now we're going to talk about some of the discrimination that many on the left will say is not happening. We mentioned this briefly last week, and Jacob Kersey was a police officer in Georgia. He made a comment on social media about God-ordained natural natural marriage between one man and one woman, as opposed to unnatural marriage that is not ordained by God and the, quote, marriage that has been redefined to mean something else. So, admittedly now, in the year 2023, this was a brave thing for him to do in in a woke, anti-Christian, politically correct cancel culture. And this reveals just how controversial it is, unfortunately, to take a biblical stand. But, friends, we are here for such a time as this, And silence in the face of evil is itself evil, as the great Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said. So rather than deny his faith, Jacob Kersey resigned from his job after he was threatened to be fired. He's only 19 years old. And he said, now I'm I'm determined to fight free speech and defend others who are being forced to hide their beliefs or suffer consequences. Jacob is being represented by First Liberty, um, of course, now he is a former Port Wentworth, Georgia police officer. And First Liberty sent a demand letter to the city government asking them to apologize for discriminating against this young Christian man and for violating his First Amendment rights. So what happened? Kersey's supervisor told him the department received an anonymous complaint 
Of course. Isn't that interesting? It's anonymous about his social media post when he was off duty. Did you get that? He wasn't even on the job. And he posted something on his personal page, basically paraphrasing Ephesians 5. He said, God designed marriage. We wouldn't disagree with that. Marriage refers to Christ and the church. That's why there is no such thing as homosexual marriage, end quote. If you study the Bible and you believe it's true, you would agree with that. But um, up until 25 years ago, um, people believed that. But now since the propaganda, the twisting, the dismantling, the redefining of marriage, um, now... You can't say that publicly <laughs> or post it on social media. So he was threatened in an official letter that um, any of his future comments on social media would harm his ability to do his job in a, quote, fair and equitable manner. He would be, quote, unable to perform his duties. Well, well stop. What does that mean? As a police officer, think about a firefighter, a nurse, or a doctor, a police officer. Uh, Think about that. You are unable to perform your duties because of your biblical worldview? Unable to do your job? Well, we know now, friends, we understand that today's anti-Christian, godless culture, society, government, education system, corporations, and the media, they consider us, if you believe the Bible is true, and have if you have the audacity to say it out loud that the Bible is true, and here's what it says, you are bigoted, you are fundamentalist, hateful, intolerant, narrow-minded, old-fashioned, whatever. Um, so the police major, Bradwick Sherrod, declared that jurors, um, Kersey, Jacob Kersey offended protected classes by talking about his beliefs. Now, who are protected classes? Now they're putting us in a class system again. They've been trying to do this for decades. And the Democrats have been successful in framing this. And who would be proud? Karl Marx would be very proud. Um, so they say his objectivity was in question. He could not, no longer do his job as a police officer. The letter warned that Kersey was unlikely able to protect and serve the city's homosexuals and lesbians. This is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever read. This is a police officer. You're not going to do your job. You're not going to protect and serve someone who's gay and lesbian. First of all, we are called to love, period. Love one another. That doesn't mean condone condone crime, condone what others do, approve sin, or let alone celebrate sin. But it means that we are to love Others, as Jesus loved, we are we are to do that. Okay, that's what we do as Christians. We don't hate anybody, but we hate evil. There's scriptures you can look at, Proverbs, Psalms, different places in the New Testament. Love God, hate evil. Hate sin, hate the devil. Don't hate people, right? We are never commanded to, and I don't know any... I know a lot of believers across the country. We've lived in different states. I know a lot of... We've traveled quite a bit. I don't know a Christian friend or brother and sister who I call a true believer that actually hates someone because they sinned or because they're in a lifestyle of sin. I personally don't know anyone like that, and I, I, you probably don't either. 
And yet, that's the narrative. Those are the talking points now of today's Christians. They're trying to frame us as the enemy, as the haters. And they are that, really, they hate us. And they hate the God that we worship. And they hate the truth. So, even though the police department admitted that uh, Kersey didn't violate a department policy, um, he realized that he was cornered, targeted, and he decided to quit his job rather than cave to their ridiculous demands. So he wants other Christians to be encouraged and protected from discrimination. And he said that you, as a believer in Christ, shouldn't allow yourself to be silenced by people who have no respect for the First Amendment and no respect for the Word of God. Kudos to this young man. He says, There's no doubt in my mind that if the city is allowed to sweep this ludicrous incident under the rug, this will happen to another officer. So First Liberty is keeping their options open. They're awaiting a response. Um, I haven't checked in the last couple of days. Maybe the, the police, uh, the city did respond. Uh, Port Wentzworth, Georgia. Um, so here's where we're at. But he said, we're, we've already arrived there, and this is going to spread if people don't stand against it. Where's there? What does he mean? He's concerned about people being told at their jobs that their faith is considered hate speech because basic biblical teachings are not only offensive to a godless culture today, they're deemed hateful and intolerant. So now, we are all, when we're discriminated against or called haters or homophobes, whatever it might be, we're, we're, we understand uh, that we have brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering severe persecution, villages burned down, churches demolished, um, homes destroyed, family members killed, dri- dr- Christians driven out of their villages or cities because of their faith. Many have died for their faith. So we're we're not we're not putting us on that level, or nor, nor is this young man putting himself on that level. But we have to understand this is still a form of persecution and and what we're seeing will continue and it will increase in matthew 10 i want to close this story 32 and 33 jesus said therefore whoever confesses me before men him i will also confess before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men him i will also deny before my father who is in heaven great reminder but i do want to mention Apparently, police departments from different places in the country have been contacting Jacob Kersey about having him come to work for them. Apparently, they don't care about his Christian faith. They just want a, a, a committed officer to do the job. So that's interesting. But keep praying for people when you hear they're um, discriminated against in the public eye. So next, that story out in California, the Christian teacher fired for refusing to hide Children in, in public schools, their gender transitioned and their, quote, preferred pronouns. She said, I could not be a Christian and a teacher. Now, again, friends, you might think this is an isolated incident. I'm going to say flat out that you're wrong and you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. We do have a lot of educators that listen to this podcast. I come from a family of educators. I've said that many, many, many times. 30 years in education, my mom and my dad. One of my sisters was a teacher. My other sister was a substitute teacher. I have a, an uncle who taught in school. He taught, I think, math and English. And I have another 
um, cousin that was in it. So I come from a family of educators. I could not do it because of my outspoken Christian faith. I would have been, well, I probably would have been fired. Um, anyway, so I couldn't, I couldn't be a public school teacher. So Christian teachers today, I've heard their hands are tied. They'll, they're doing what they can to protect young students. But when this woman basically said, let me just quote her, um, that she, uh, I couldn't find it right now, but she says, I couldn't be a Christian and a teacher. I couldn't lie. I had to tell their parents. I couldn't keep this from their parents. Like the, the school policy was to not tell parents when a child wanted to take cross-sex, these hormones or, or, or do this, um, the gender transition, whatever. So let me just share with you what the school does. Stop. I say this because this is happening across the country. Please look up the show, Educated, stayeducated.org. Um, I do it four shows a week over at Freedom Project Media. And we do, the, we do these stories every day. And we have to decide what, what stories not to do. We're talking about teachers putting stuff out there on video on TikTok and saying they're proud trans and they're going to uh, convert as many young children as they can. One of them recently, last week, we did a story on a, a guy named Willie. He was a teacher in pre-K and he wanted to form the worldview of these young children and get them away from their parents' beliefs. I, I'm not making this up. So this is happening, friends, and they're coming right out and saying it. Some teachers are getting disciplined or Suspended. Others are not. They're still teaching. So I just want to say, how, the, how did the school district reply when the Christian teacher said, no, I can't lie? Um, the superintendent said, the district cannot accommodate your religious beliefs that prohibit you from maintaining a student's gender identity and refraining from disclosing a student's gender identity from his, her, their parents or guardians. So basically, so if you're not willing to lie for the cause of the radical delusion, the ideology, then you're out as a Christian. And this Christian was a stickler for the old-fashioned sex-segregated locker rooms, (laughs) but they're not district policy. The quote, 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 the district is required to comply with all state and federal laws, including the California Education Code, which guarantees a student's right to participate in sex-segregated school activities and to use facilities consistent with the student's gender identity, end quote, not biologically who God made them to be, not by their biological sex or DNA or who they are, but who they identify as. I'm going to read that again. The the education code guarantees a, a student's right to use whatever facility they want consistent with their gender identity. Okay? Just so you know, I'm not making that up. That, this one's over at Newsbusters. Also, it's at, um, where is this other one? TheGatewayPundit.com. Christian teacher fired for refusing to hide kids' gender transitions. Uh, over at Newsbusters, groom or doom, teacher fired because she won't hide gender confusion from parents. So these stories are out there. Just want you to know. Next, briefly, um, 
over to the economy. Yeah, I don't have time to get into this other one. I'll do that after the break. Rick Scott, senator from Florida, hit President Biden over the latest uh, producer price index report showing that the price of eggs, many of you have noticed that, they have increased over 200% in a year. Technically, 209.3% compared to January 2021. Are, is the Biden administration doing anything, anything about it? And are they being held accountable? Both, I would say no to both counts. 200% increase on eggs. He's, uh, Rick Scott said, Joe Biden's failure to get the inflation crisis he created under control is absolutely crushing America's hardworking families with high prices. The report also shows the price of pasta up 30.5%. Now, if you're Italian like me, you're going to be really ticked off at that. Pasta is up 30%. Eggs are up over 200%. And the price of turkey is up 36.8%. The price of coffee up 20.7%. And we could go on. I'm looking at this picture right now in some window of a, I don't know where this is, uh, large eggs, grade A, $4.99 a dozen? Five bucks a dozen? Again, it's differently in different places, but overall the, the producer price index report shows over 200% increase. Let me just ask you a question, you know, the obvious answer to. If it were a Republican president and administration, how would the media treat that administration? Would there be any pushback? Would there be any accountability? And you know the answer to that. So that's very sad that I don't even have to give you commentary on that because you know the double standards. Got a lot more stories to get to when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. So um, I want to quote Justice Antonin Scalia, who uh, died in 2016, and um, I love many of the things he said, but this is a great quote I have. God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed. If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. Justice Antonin Scalia, and I remind you that First uh, John two fifteen through seventy says, "If you love the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in you." And we are cautioned against loving this present world and the things of the world. But yet, uh, Jesus in Matthew six thirty three encouraged his followers to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, promising that all these other things that we need will be added to us. So, very quickly, Damar Hamlin, I did a story on him uh, several months ago, um, but, wow, what a what a roller coaster of a story. Did you see that bizarre jacket he wore to the Super Bowl? Um, it was blasphemous, and he apologized for it. By the way, if you saw that, you know what I'm talking about. He apologized. Um, but this story is is different. 
he refused to answer questions. I, I watched a couple interviews with him. And remember, if you just don't know anything about him, he was one of a 24-year-old Buffalo Bills defensive um, back, and he suffered a heart attack and collapsed after making a tackle. He got back up and all of a sudden fell over backwards. Um, and his heart stopped. They revived him on the field, got him to the hospital. He's made a, a miraculous recovery. And he's remaining tight-lipped about the cause of his cardiac Arrest. Arrest. Um, he talked with, out of many of the interviews, uh, liberal um, ABC News, Michael Strahan, a former NFL player, and um, about his experience. I want to get to see if I can get the quote here. Yeah, basically he didn't answer. But they, they talked about his collapse and what happened. And um, he said before suffering the heart attack, he felt completely normal heading into that game. And... Strahan asked Hamlin if he remembered anything standing up after making the tackle before he collapsed. And Hamlin said, um, that's something I don't really want to get into, into detail of. That was interesting. Uh, so he was asked, your doctors in Cincinnati, they called your recovery remarkable. Um, why do you think your recovery is so remarkable? But Hamlin said, first and foremost, just God. I'm just thankful he gave me a second chance just to live normally, you know, come out almost without a scratch. So then um, Strahan addressed the question that people have right now. Here's the question. What caused a perfectly young, healthy, 24-year-old athlete in the NFL to go into cardiac arrest? He said, you're 24, peak physical condition. You can run circles around me right now. How did the doctors describe what happened to you? Hamlin paused, thought about his response, and then said, um, that's something I want to stay away from. Hmm. So Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA reminded people in a tweet that Pfizer happens to be the NFL's seventh largest Advertiser spending nearly $120 million per season. Did you hear that? Pfizer. So we've got corporate America, we've got Big Pharma, we've got the NFL and entertaining sports league. And they're not, not answering questions about what happened to DeMar Hamlin. We may never really know. So it's sad. Um, yeah. It said, that's all we know. Basically, I'm not going to read anymore because he, he doesn't, didn't give an answer. So either DeMar Hamlin was told not to say anything or it, cause it doesn't sound like, it sounds like he knows, but he can't say. And anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Next, here's another interesting one. Now let's go back to, um, a Christian man wins big after a mask dispute. This is up over in Idaho and <laughs> he was sent to prison. A church deacon and podcaster was arrested for refusing to wear a mask. This was back during some of the, the government. Different states handled it differently. The, but there was an outdoor protest. You heard that right. An outdoor protest. And they called it, uh, Gabriel Ranch called it a psalm sing. A psalm sing. He participated in, in September of that year, the protest of his former mayor's 
public health order. It ended up landing him behind bars. The protest included peaceful singing, and it took place outside the city hall in Moscow, Idaho. He said, we like to sing psalms and hymns and protest. That's how we like to respond to city and government overreach, to protest the city councils and the mayor's unconstitutional emergency order. So the rules impacted people's ability to gather even outdoors. Now, some mayors and some blue state governors got pretty power hungry when these things were going on. You remember that. Some of them wanted to limit your uh, every holiday, you know, Easter or, or Christmas or Thanksgiving, your gatherings with families. Some mayors or governors were saying, no, you can't do that or you have to limit how many people you have to meet outside. In the, if you're in California, um, Emperor Newsom wanted people to meet outside, uh, use plastic wear, and those serving had to uh, use hand sanitizer and gloves. It was just, ast- it's just astounding, some of the things that they passed. But anyway, back to Idaho. He said, when you're outside, you had to wear a mask or stand six feet apart. So if you weren't wearing a mask, you had to stand six feet apart and you're outside. And so he was arrested. Anyway, um, once someone emailed him and said, I thought it was Moscow, Russia. <laughs> and I realized it was Idaho. Um, someone in America getting arrested for exercising their religious freedom. So they were just singing psalms on the public sidewalk in front of the city hall, right? So anyway, he won the lawsuit, and he's out. You know, I mean, he, that's just the good news of the story. But it's a shame that they pushed it so far that they have to actually arrest people. And uh, he said... He wants Christians to take a number of lessons from this saga, urging them to be more convicted in the future about what the Bible teaches about worship, about gathering, and about church. He said we need to be able to read the story better. (laughs) So we've talked about what the purpose and the reason for church is. It's not just about a building. It's about the gathering of the saints to pray, to hear the teaching of the Word of God, to have communion, the Lord's Supper, and, of course, for fellowship. There are four reasons we are instructed in Scripture to gather. But what's astounding to me about this, one of the many things, is it was an outdoor setting. Okay, moving on. Um, earlier, well, just about a week ago, week and a half ago, in Milwaukee, there was a multi-faith coalition to fight back against white Christian nationalism. What the heck was this? It took place in churches, of course. We have to use the word church in air quotes now. Put air quotes around the word church, because anything can be called a church. The question is, are they biblical? So multi, Milwaukee Multi-Faith Coalition to fight back, fight back against white Christian nationalism. So February, this was uh, February 5th and 6th, First Baptist Church of Waukesha just uh, suburb of Milwaukee, and Unitarian Universalist Church, of course, in Brookfield, hosted the Reverend Jennifer Butler, founder of Faith in Public Life, and um, she made two stops there in Milwaukee on her Faith in Democracy tour. And she led a workshop called 
talking to friends and loved ones caught up in conspiracy theories and Christian nationalism. All right. The next day, she went over to the other church, in quotes, and she gave a lecture on the rise of the Christian right and Christian nationalism. She traced the history of the Christian right from its roots in segregation to current manifestations of Christian nationalism, and she shared how progressive people of faith can work together to counter it. Now, stop right there. When you hear progressive people of faith, I am saying what a lot of people, true believers in Christ, are also warning, that you have to assume these people do not believe the Bible is inerrant, they do not believe the Bible is God-breathed, literally inspired by the Holy Spirit. They do not believe the whole Bible, in other words. They do not subscribe to the authority of Jesus and the Scriptures and the whole counsel of God. So when they are progressive people of faith, really they are anti-Christian, but they are using religion as a cloak to push whatever agenda they're pushing. In this case, to teach something to their disciples and their minions about Christian nationalism, what they're calling uh, the Christian right and its roots. So who is also involved in this? Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice and Wisconsin Council of Churches. So this took place with the Interfaith Conference of Greater Milwaukee and the Jewish Community Relations Council of Milwaukee. <laughs> Just what a mess, right, in our churches today. That's why I brought this one up. Um, next, the, the story about the CDC offering a warning for girls and youth. This is really brief, but I need to mention it's so important, guys. And again, I'm going to talk to you what, what real hope is. We have hope in Christ, a hope that cannot be taken from us, a hope that will not perish or fade away or spoil. And that verse again, Romans fifteen thirteen. may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the CDC released data showing nearly three in five teenage girls felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. Double that of boys, by the way, and representing a nearly 60, 60, 60% increase over the prior decade. I wonder why. Look at our culture. Look at the government-run education system and the Antichrist worldview of, quote, education, of the media, of government, of corporations, of Hollywood, 30% of teen girls seriously considered suicide, this says. And nearly 18% experienced sexual violence, up 20% from 2017. So what's happening? It starts with the family. You can, whether you're Christian or not, but a family intact with a mother and a father is so important. And doesn't this just echo the true definition of marriage between one man and one woman that Jesus affirmed in the Gospels, how God laid it out in the very beginning? God as creator, God as creator of all things, and then male and female of humanity, of human beings, and then of 
marriage, family, and civil government. God as creator. Jesus is the head. All authority has been given to him. So I want to read a quote from this brief article. If they feel hopeless, they will turn to anything that provides a salve salve for their pain. Drugs, sex, gaming, suicide. Is it any wonder a vast majority are not prepared to leave home today? Children are not being prepared by parents, Christian or not. And they, I, how do you equip young parents today to combat everything that's coming against them from our culture, from our society? From, I, I don't blame moms and dads for wanting to protect and even go maybe too far and try to shelter their kids. Um, now, sheltering is not the right answer. They can't go into isolation, right? That's not our job as Christians to be isolated, to be on an island or anything else. But it is more, much more difficult today than when I or maybe you were growing up. But kids need to know they're loved. They also need to be, they need to be informed and prepared that they will be exposed to messages of hopelessness from the LGBTQ ideology to not accept themselves and their bodies and how they were made. Uh, hopelessness and confusion from the media, global warming, wars, political conflict, economic collapse. This is just what they're going to hear on the news. We didn't, I didn't hear a lot of this growing up when I was in school. <laughs> when I was, gosh, I had enough problems just in my own head and what I was trying to learn in class, let alone from what was happening in the world around me. But now with the internet from your iPhones, you can get 24-7 instant news what's happening and most of it is bad. That's good. Okay, I mean, just move on before I run out of time. So this is a generation of kids who don't have a real connection to their parents. This is one of the common things we've talked about. Um, and if you go into the um, inner cities and the black family unit, fatherlessness is a massive problem that, that has become an epidemic. You can talk to people like uh, Ben Carson and Alan West and so many others, Tony Dungy, about this problem. They are the experts. Because they grew up, a couple of them at least grew up in the inner cities in very poor, impoverished areas. So next, children today, they don't have hope. And there's reasons for that. So you've got to instill in them the biblical worldview and the hope they have. Not in this life, but in the next, what we have to look forward to. That gives us strength to face the day, right? When we have that hope. And we know we are assured of our salvation and we know the future is going to be hard, but we know that what is promised is going to be fulfilled. Now, um, alternative voices are telling them they aren't good enough the way they are. They need to change their gender. They need to change how they look. They need to change their focus on life. And this report says this is killing kids, literally. Without a solid foundation of love, of faith, of values our kids will experience more pain. So there's a book. I haven't looked into it, but um, he's a youth specialist. Uh, his name is Jeff Schatt, S-C-H-A-D-T. And apparently the book is called The One Rule Home and talks about the value of community and authenticity and you know parents and their responsibilities. So um, since that, this was a warning from the CDC and that's how I got this article. Um, 
so I'm not, I don't know if that's a Christian book or not, just saying that. Not that the, the information is not helpful, because much of it is from what I've read here, but I haven't looked at the book, so not endorsing. Not endorsing. Okay. Wow, does this go by fast? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, so let's look at politicized FDA. This is from the WashingtonStand.com. And as of early 2022, chemical abortions already accounted for over half of all abortions in the United States. What is abortion? We've talked about what it is. What is happening in a young pregnant mother's womb? That is a human life. It's, it is a preborn human being. It is, by every definition, human in the womb, and it's going to be a person, so we're establishing personhood in the womb. And what's happening with an abortion? You are eliminating a human life. So you are murdering a baby. Some people put it that way. Others say that's too harsh. But let's just say now, it's, isn't it easy, convenient to get an abortion now? Even though Roe v. Wade was overturned, right? Well, we forget the, the demonic ways of finding new ways to do evil and chemical abortions are definitely one of those ways in this evolving legal landscape here. So Family Research Center, uh, and they filed a friend of the court brief, typically drafted to inform a, a judge about a certain topic. And in this instance, they wanted to inform the court about the highly politicized nature of Mife Pristone's approval process from before September 20 or September 2000 to give the court additional background regarding the unorthodox and troubling manner in which the FDA approved chemical abortion drugs. I'm reading from the article, though certainly disturbing and is unsurprising to note the reckless manner in which the chemical abortion regimen was approved for public consumption in the United States. Do you know now, I've done stories on this over at uh, stayeducated.org, that on some college campuses there are vending machines with these abortion pills, chemical abortion drugs. You can look that up. College campuses are so, wow, it's convenient. That's that, that big of a deal that they must have access to abortion pills, abortion drugs on campus, right? It's so tragic, though certainly disturbing. Um, one study of, listen to this, over 42,000 women concluded that chemical abortions are four times more likely to cause severe complications than the standard surgical abortions in child baby uh, dismemberment in the womb. Chemical abortions are four times more likely to cause severe complications. Among the health risks, severe bleeding, infection, retained fetal parts, the need for emergency surgery, hemorrhage, and even death. And bleeding can continue for up to 30 days. Again, that's a study of over 42,000 women concluding chemical abortions are four times more likely to cause severe complications. Okay, I'll put these articles again in the podcast blog under more at StandUpForTheTruth.com. That's uh, the title is that uh, FRC Amicus reveals how politicized FDA approved abortion drugs. And one more 
uh, up in Canada, uh, the liberals pass Stalin-esque internet censorship bill. Among Trudeau's actions uh, is a sweeping bill called C-11. It was stalled for some time in the Senate due to complications about how to apply it, but it places the internet under the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. That's the CRTC, the historic sole broadcast regulator, which has often been criticized for being an unnecessary watchdog over Canada's airwaves. But now its powers have expanded to include content on social media and the Internet. Again, the bill is called, it's C-11, the the letter C-11. It affects platforms such as YouTube, Netflix, Spotify, requiring them to contribute Canadian content or face steep penalties. Now, one doesn't need to look too far to immediately see how this will affect American podcasters and Internet contributors who have audiences in Canada. The bill will also be scapegoating all those who do not fit into what the bureaucrats think Canada should be. And we already know some of the anti Christian ideologies and discrimination happening up there. We have had pastors on the program from Canada. So, guys, I just want to take a few minutes here. I didn't get to one of the things I wanted to get to is uh, Dennis Prager has a really brief but good to the point article on 10 things that he lists are Judeo-Christian values. And we'll, we'll get into that because I've only got two minutes left here, less than two minutes. So we'll get into that on a hopefully a later podcast this week. But some very good ones out there. And we covered a lot of ground, jumped around quite a bit today. But I do want to thank you for sharing the podcast. Again, that is the way that people are hearing about it because we, again, don't have a newsletter. We don't advertise. We've been censored and shadow banned. However, over the weekend, I saw... One post, I think, on our Facebook page had, I think, 15 likes on it and, and three shares. <laughs> you know why that's funny? You know why that's funny? Because I think, how am I, let me just go over to the page. Where is it? I'm going to go over to the Facebook page here and just find out how many people on the Stand Up for the Truth page. I think it's over 20. Oh, gosh. I don't want to misquote it. And my computer is just really slow, so I'm not doing it. Here it is. All right, how many is it? How many people? 20, almost 29,000 people follow us, supposedly, allegedly. Almost 29,000. And I'm thrilled about a post over the weekend that got 15 likes and three shares. 29,000. So Facebook is, they're so kind, allowing us to post on their platform, but they're not allowing people to see it. So all that to say you are the reason the audience keeps growing. It's not me. I don't take credit for that. Uh, God's got that. Thank you, Lord. Praise God for that. Let's talk about who's coming up on the podcast calendar. Um, Natasha Crane had to reschedule. She was going to be in tomorrow. In fact, let me just check real quick and see if I've got a very special guest that I asked if he could uh, be in tomorrow. He's from Australia, and I don't think I have. Nope, don't have a response yet. So to be determined for tomorrow as far as a guest. But you will hear our podcast on um, Freemasonry with Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, Illinois. That's going to be on Wednesday. Thursday, we've got Jonathan Brantner. Check out his writings at Harbinger's Daily. And Friday, Troublemaker for the Kingdom 
homeschooling mom, conservative activist, Heidi St. John. We've got her. And uh, guys, thank you again so much. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.